G'day, Nath here. It's Wednesday the 30th of June, but I can already hear you saying, hold on, this sounds different. Where's Stewie? And why hasn't the music come on yet? Well, thanks for asking. In addition to the fact I don't have the mic we usually use at the moment, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, we're in a lockdown here in Perth at the moment, as is most of Australia. And instead of subjecting you to dodgy remote Zoom audio, and our loyal listeners will have battled through a few of those in the last year or so, we thought we'd instead upload one of our specials that we've talked about on other episodes here and there. This, of course, gives us a bit more time to cool down over the NBL Grand Final and not come across as too salty. In all seriousness, though, hats off to Melbourne United, who are absolutely the form team all season. And luckily, I'm wearing multiple hats, because additional hats off to Melbourne City for winning the A-League and New South Wales for winning the State of Origin, albeit with a dead rubber not so far away. A big wag of the finger to that clown that destroyed seemingly half of the field at the Tour de France, though. Still a fugitive. Can't wait to talk about that one. But since the last recording, we've also had a winner in the World Test Championship. 17-year-old Erion Knighton has broken a Usain Bolt record heading into the Olympics. Simmons has now officially pulled out of the Olympics while we're talking about that, as trade rumours swirl around him. And the NBA continues to serve up some twists and turns including a huge ankle breaker on CP3. So with any luck, we'll be able to talk about that next week, as hopefully we'll go back to our normal episodes very soon. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and hopefully enjoy Blokes Banter 1. Not as rude as it sounds. I won't go into too much detail here about what we discuss on this one, because, well, you'll hear it in the intro in a sec, and you can also read the description. But do definitely keep an ear out for a very special bloody hell this week, as you'll hear teased in a moment. Let's go. It's a Sport Bloke Special. This week, we look back at the history of our sports fandom, recount some of our favourite memories from sports we've seen live, and in possibly our best bloody hell yet, we talk about how Nathan helped get an NBL coach sacked and how I offended a dual Brownlow medalist mum. Bit different, but a bit of fun. Let's go. So, Shui, a bit of a different one this time. We've decided to record a few specials because there will be times when we're not able to get together and record. We don't like recording remotely. The sound's not as good. And the recent lockdown in Perth has kind of pushed us to get a few specials under yeah, the belt. Put, put the fear of God in us a bit. And we've done well. We've done nearly at this point. So it's the 27th of April at this point, and we have no idea when we'll release this. But at this point, we've done nearly a full year without missing one. So, so far, so good. But we thought we should get it in the can just in case couldn't release one for whatever reason and we could get one out there. So we thought we'd just kind of have a bit of a banter this week and talk about our experiences with sport and why we're sport blokes, I guess. There's always so much going on and we always talk about, oh, one day we'll talk about when we went to the World Cup and this, that and the other, and we may never get there otherwise. Today is the day. This is our opportunity. It's going to happen. This is our opportunity. So although I guess by now, those that have been listening to us for a while will have a pretty good idea on who we support and what we're all about. We thought we'd maybe give a little bit more information about us as fans and what we've seen, what we think, what we've experienced. And I guess it starts at the beginning, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we've probably got slightly different first impressions of sport. For oh, me. yeah, big time. For me, you know, I was always a little bit of a nerd growing up. I loved reading books. I loved playing with trains and all that sort of stuff. I didn't really get into sport until I was about nine. For me, sport was a bit of a bridge to spend more time with my dad. Um, he was a an absolute sport nut right from growing up in Scotland, played a lot of basketball, a lot of soccer, a lot of rugby. Well, played for the national team in Scotland. He did. So he don't did. undersell him. Well, look, he, he was a, a very accomplished basketball player. 
Um, we'll actually look at some stage to potentially do an interview with him. We mm. may have already released that before we released this. But, <laughs> so it's, it's hard to know the timeframes. But but no, he was an exceptional basketball player. Uh, could have very easily gone on to America and, and made a crack of the NBA, but stupidly decided to have kids instead. So <laughs> I can blame myself for stopping down from being an NBA player. But, but uh, no, look, it was oh, always... You can think of worse places to immigrate to than Australia. This yeah. is true. But no, it, it was always an excuse to just sit there on a, a weekend and, you know, barrack for the teams that dad would barrack for. And this was before I really understood what was going on in the world of cricket or football or basketball. I, I just kind of saw it as guys running around, throwing and kicking a ball. And, <laughs> and, and eventually, as time went on, I, I found my, my love for the sports and ended up barracking for the same sort of teams as my dad did. So no, that was kind of my first introduction. How about yourself? And you've lived here all your life and that kind of colours who you've supported as well in one way, shape or form. It, it does. It does. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about who the, the, the teams are that we support probably in a few minutes. Well, we some will already know, but we will definitely talk about that. Yeah, for me, it was a bit different. There was always a bit of a joke that I was maybe switched at birth or something because, one, I'm a massive music lover who probably listens to more music from the 70s, which is when my parents were teenagers than they do. And the other thing is that I'm a massive sport fan and they're not interested in sport at all. So I think the biggest influence for me was probably my my friend, uh, one, one of my very best friends who uh, lived one door down and he had some older brothers as well who were big basketball and cricket fans too. Uh, but for me, tennis was actually probably the first sport I was exposed to because that's what my mum was most interested in. So one of my very first memories is watching Jim Courier at the Australian Open. He was one of my favourite players as a kid. I love Pete Sampras too. When you're a kid, you kind of go for winners. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that I, I enjoyed watching Pete Sampras. But I remember watching cricket from a really young age. And so I've met Warney a couple of times in my life and he was an absolute hero of mine as a kid. I loved watching him bowl. But I actually told this story to him when I, when I saw him at, Austin Robertson Jr.'s book signing for his book, Cricket Outlaws Inside Kerry Packer's World Series. And he's a fascinating guy and it's a fascinating book. I actually uh, emceed a quiz for a really long time and he was a regular and I struck up a little bit of a friendship with him and he gave me a signed copy. And so it was nice to see him on a semi-regular basis, nearly weekly at times, but but others. Anyway, so I, I talked to Wardy and I told him that when I was a little kid, like I was too young to understand that the pace bowlers would bowl first and the spinners would come on later. And so I'd get up really early in the morning and switch on the cricket and just be so annoyed that Warney wasn't bowling yet. It's like, why is it Paul Rifle? You know, why is, why is it Merv Hughes? Why is it Craig McDermott? And I loved all them too, but I want to watch Warney. Anyway, when I told when I told this story to him, he was like, oh, you should have just gone back to bed, mate. <laughs> and that's like, what are you, bloody narcissist? Because my response to him was, no, 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 I like Craig McDermott and stuff too, you know. <laughs> so He's probably sitting there thinking, why? <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, so those were my early memories. And then, but basketball became my first love. So I started really getting into the Wildcats in 1991. Uh, and Pretty good year to start like It was. And unfortunately, I have no memory of the grand final that year. So my strongest Wildcats memory in a final was the year that we lost to the Tigers uh, in Perth in that oh, heartbreaking okay. game three. But now, now there's water under the bridge. You're kind of happy that Gay's got that one. And he toiled for so long with the Tigers and just the emotion with him and Lindsay, his dad. And it was really quite a nice moment. Now we know how successful the Wildcats are. We can kind of give them that one. But at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and We'd already won two anyway. Yeah, and still. especially, uh, and I've since watched those games on YouTube, the deciding games. I don't know if they're still up, but they were at one point or another, the 90 and the 91 grand finals. Oh, they copyright people. Uh, well, yeah. But don't. Um, 
Uh, but but so I, I actually picked the Spurs in 1992. So I've been a San Antonio Spurs fan since 1992 and I was a big fan of David Robinson and, and I kind of learned about him from the one-on-one magazine. And I know you're a massive collector of the one-on-ones. You had every edition except for one or two or oh, something? I, th- I think I, my first one, I think, was March 93 and I think it came out about nine months earlier. So I'm missing about the first nine. Right. I think my I had, first was July 93. Yeah. yeah. I every I remember Mitch Richmond was on the front cover of the first one. I okay. Had. Zoe Morning was on the first one. I, I was about the third the fourth one I had, but yeah, yeah, yeah. cracking magazine. Yeah, oh, it really was, really, and that's how we learnt a lot. And yeah, as I say, that's that's how I became a Spurs fan. Uh, you know, a bit a bit contrarian, I guess. Everyone else picked the Bulls, and for obvious reason, Jordan was dominating, and and they were a really good team, myself included. I, I went for them too, and they hadn't even finished their three peat at that stage, of course. Uh, but but they were a massive team, and the Magic were really big too with Shaq and stuff. Uh, around that time. Yeah, the Hornets were huge with Larry and Zoe, Larry Johnson and Zoe. And it's funny, nobody ever seemed to go for the villain teams. Nobody nobody seemed to have Detroit or New York or Indiana. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was our age. Maybe people slightly older than us. So as we sit here in 2021, we're knocking on the door of 38 uh, later in the year, both of us. So I don't know, maybe there were like, oh, I'm actually kind of thinking about it. There weren't a lot of Lakers fans in my childhood. Which is odd considering they'd just come off the showtime. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they're a bloody good team. And Magic was still around at that stage. Yeah, so was James Worthy. Yeah, well, that's right. Big game James. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I, I came to pick those teams. And then footy for me, I actually hated footy as a kid and I kind of, I followed it as kind of an ironic kind of protest. So I purposely didn't pick the Eagles. The Dockers weren't really, I think they just formed, so they weren't really a team in my eyes. So I picked the Sydney Swans for a number of reasons. It helped that a girl I liked <laughs> supported them. It wasn't the sole reason, but it did help. But yes. I kind of yes, it bloody was. no, it, it was honestly it wasn't. <laughs> so it was kind of an ironic thing because they they weren't that good when I started following them. But then they made the grand final in 1996, and I fell in love with all the you know Derek Kickett was one of my favourite players, Paul Ruse. So yeah, I went out with her for like two weeks in year eight, and for my love dwind- for her dwindled, but uh, my love for the Swans is as strong as it's ever been. So that's how I kind of came to choose them. And and same, so people always say to me, sorry, I'm talking a lot, Shui, right. talking your ear off. But um, uh, people always say to me, oh, you follow so many successful teams. But when I when I pick the Wildcats, and I'm from Perth, so it makes sense I would pick the Wildcats. Basketball's one where in the NBL you do you pick the team that is generally yeah yeah and generally with footy too in fairness but I was one of the odd ones well footy footy's different though because a lot of people you know that's true not, no you're not, right not actually yourself but a lot of people's parents grew up with the VFL though that's true that's true so no no that's that's a really fair point you're right it is a bit different um but yeah the, the Wildcats had only won two when I started following them the Swans hadn't won since the South Melbourne VFL days when I started following them the Colts hadn't won since Baltimore when I started following them the Spurs had never won a championship when I started following them so I was just really lucky mm. really lucky yeah yeah, you couldn't have done much better, to be honest. And I picked the Colts. I picked the Colts because of a crazy game between them and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where they came back from I think it was twenty-one points with about four minutes left, and and the Buccaneers were the defending champs. And I was like, okay, they're amazing. And I now have a signed Peyton Manning jersey, and and uh, yeah, the rest is history there. Mm. Yeah, but you're more into soccer than NFL. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to what I said earlier, my dad shaped the vast majority of my my sporting loves. And I'm very much a, a homeboy when it comes to the domestic team. Certainly, uh, I've been an Eagles fan since I, I can remember because, again, they were the, the home team, the team that my dad followed. 
Wildcats fan, obviously, as well. Um, Glasgow Rangers in the in the soccer in the Scottish Premier League, which has been, uh, you know, a very, very great battle with Celtic over the past, God, how many years now? Pretty <laughs> more, yeah, certainly <laughs> over, over my life. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been certainly fun to, to be part of those successful teams. And in, in the basketball, you know, I did things slightly differently. I started off as a Bulls fan um, and then I, I kind of turned to a Spurs fan because of because of a bloke that I was good friends with, <laughs> I just I, I enjoyed the way that the Spurs played the game. I thought they played it the, the way it was meant to be played. Absolutely, they, they yeah. Passed the ball beautifully. They made really intelligent decisions. They weren't flashy, but that's what I liked. And then I completely flipped that on its head in about 2016, where I just thought I'm not feeling the Spurs anymore. So I thought, no, now's the time, and I'm going to make a change. And I loved the Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Uh, dynamic that they had there, and so I thought I'm going to jump on the the Thunder bandwagon, and that was great for one season. No, oh, it's one of the great what ifs, isn't it? I mean, if that team had stuck together, Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka, and, Ibaka, yep. and Adams, yep, that's such a good roster. It's so sad that they didn't. They, well, it's sad that Durant pissed off. Well, they they should have won a championship that first season. They're up three one against the the Golden State Warriors. They choked that series away, and unfortunately. That was that. Durant pissed off to join them. Yep. Yeah. So lost a lot of respect from there. But no. That, oh yeah, big time. Th- those were kind of the reasons, I guess, that I've I jumped on those teams, and and then I guess really it takes us to the next discussion, which is the whole we. Yeah. Yeah. So so one of a, this is an interesting discussion because one of our mates who listens to us kind of mentioned that he bristles every time we refer to a team as we. So if I say the Spurs and mention we or the Wildcats we or you say the Eagles and mention we or the Wildcats for that matter as well. And it's a really interesting one. It's a bit of a polarizing discussion. Obviously you and I are on the same side of of the argument here that we think it's fine to refer to our team as we because of the blood, sweat, tears, and time that we invest into them, we feel a part of it, even though, okay, we're not on the roster or the payroll, uh, but we're buying the, we're buying the jerseys. We're, we're getting the season memberships when it comes to the Wildcats for many years. You and I were members for a really long time at different venues and, and with gaps in between and all sorts. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we try not to say we about our teams too often, but we can't help it, can we? Because we've just done it for so long. Yeah, it's become a bit, bit of second nature. It's almost a, a habit that, I certainly do where, yeah, I, anytime I refer to a team that, that I'm part of, you know, I, what did you think of the Eagles performance? Oh, I thought we were terrible. Yeah, you know. yeah. It is. It's almost as if you're every bit as as big a part of the failures as you are the successes. And you do, you ride the roller coaster. I mean, we, you spoke about that horrific game three between the Wildcats and Tigers with, <laughs> yes, with yeah. Andrew Vlahov rimming out a three-pointer that would have tied the game. Oh, yeah, it was very close, yeah. It, this thing was two-thirds of the way down. Oh, I can still visualise. I reckon I'll visualise that in my mind to the day I die. I can still see it perfectly, and, left and, of screen. And that was very yeah. much the, the first season that I was a part of watching the Wildcats as well. And so for me... I still remember how painful that was as a kid. You know, you, you almost cry because it means that much to you. Well, when you see kids at, at the ground crying, you can kind of understand yeah. when you were a kid. Wasn't there a thing when you were a kid that if the Wildcats didn't score the first basket, you were convinced that they were going to lose? Absolutely. <laughs> so let's just go. Let's go home. It's over. Game. Game's over. Oh, that's classic. And that. Well, I mean, we can probably expand on this a, a little bit over the course of many years of going to the Wildcats game, that kind of evolved a little bit. And there was a, a very 
special game Adelaide between the Adelaide 36ers <laughs> and the Wildcats. I knew straight away. So we were season ticket holders at that stage. And we had been for a few years and the, the Cats were playing terribly in this game. We we're down by 19 points. It was a, a very talented Adelaide 36ers team. They had Brett Maher at the peak of his powers. They had, uh, I dare say, Paul Maley had come across for that season. Yeah, it sounds about right. Darnell Mee, Kevin Brooks, Paul Rees. This was Rees was still playing well at that a stage. A stacked team. Yeah. And I just said to the boys, no, nah, game's over. We've lost. <laughs> and I started barracking you for Adelaide as a joke, <laughs> but like semi-seriously being like, come on, go the sixes. And people around us kind of got into it. And it eventually the Wildcats started coming back and Anthony Stewart hit this three-pointer three yeah. to, to tie the game. Oh, sorry, to beat to win the game actually for us. And I remember at the time, that was the first time I'd actually cheered for the Cats in a like a quarter and a half of the game. Yeah. And that became known as the power of negative thinking. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, we, we can't not talk about the power of negative thinking because it seems to be a real thing and we always talk about it with our mates like, oh, no, it's done. No, no chance. No yeah. chance. And so often people will say, now, is that your real opinion, Nathan, or is this that power of negative thinking <laughs> bullshit again, you know? <laughs> it's a, I think you might have even said it to me, maybe without using the phrase. But It's, you, it's a wondrous thing. and it, it has worked quite often, and it could just be because we happen to barrack for very successful teams, but it helps. It does help. But, I mean, going back to the way you think, so with the Spurs, for example, I've just brought up their roster. The only, t- the only players on the team that were alive when I started supporting them, Tamara Rosen, Gorju Deng, 31. So they would have been, what, about two, two or three when I started supporting the Spurs. Yep. Rudy Gay, 34, a little bit older. And then there's... Paddy Mills at 32, yeah. Yeah, Aussie Paddy Mills at 32. And that's actually one of the great connections with the Spurs, again, through just pure luck. We had Andrew Gaze, we had Shane Hill, we've had Paddy Mills play a really long time there, have a really good career there. Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines played there, born in New Zealand, but we claim him, he plays he's, for the Boomers. He sounds like an Aussie. He's a wee. Yeah, he is a wee. He's a wee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, some people think Paddy Mills might have his jersey retired there one day, which is, you know, that'd be amazing. He could. Um, so, yeah, so we can't help it. We will say we. We try not to say it too much on the podcast, but I don't think we're very successful. Yeah, it'll, it'll slip out from time to time. And, look, if anyone does take offence to it, we apologise. Yes, we do. But when you've supported a team for pretty much your entire life or nearly your entire life, it's really hard not to see them as a part or as an extension of yourself. Like put it this way, the Game 6 loss between the Spurs and the Heat from the 2013 NBA Finals... I still to this day haven't watched that entire game in full because I can't bring myself. I. It's like when you're sick and it puts you off your food. That game put me off basketball for a while. Now we came around pretty quick because we won the championship the next season, but you've got to talk about how I'm, you ruined it. I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I can I'm, see your face. I'm sitting here with a really sheepish look on my face because <laughs> I actually called that game as over. Nathan and I were talking on what would it have even been? I'm probably on Facebook. Messenger oh, I think it was just SMS actually. Or SMS, yeah. Because yeah. I, I was watching that game at work on a game cast and I, I did. I said the Spurs have won it. And we all know what happened. Yeah, well, I actually said to you, you've just jinxed us. So I already, I was already worried. And sure enough, or I, or I said something like, don't jinx us or something. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, I blame myself for that loss, unfortunately. Well, and it's a famous case because they started wheeling out the trophy. Everyone in that stadium thought the Spurs had won. Yeah, well, but it then led to one of the great kind of redemption stories in NBA history. And, and so that next season was really enjoyable. Yeah. And, and so I should explain as well. So being Aussie... 
and we were working. So we can't get every single game off of a seven-game series. I did take game seven off, and it was a very close one, and we nearly did win. Tim Duncan missing a bunny that he'd make 999 times out of a 1,000 near the end of that game, which might have, you know, made it very different. Who knows? The Spurs might have gone back to back. Anything could have happened. Uh, but, yeah, so so that's a unique experience as an Aussie too, of course. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week goes to my fellow sport bloke, Nathan, <laughs> and a story involving former Perth Wildcats coach, Connor Henry. And current Adelaide coach at time of recording, Connor Henry. For yeah. now. For now. For now, yes. <laughs> Take it away, Nathan. Uh, well... Ah, yes, Shui. I don't know if it's my proudest moment. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it was a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. So the season was 2008-2009. Yes, the Perth Wildcats made the playoffs because we seem to make the playoffs nearly every fucking year. But it wasn't a great year for us. It was a bit of a down year for us. And it might have been that year that Rick Burton was the commissioner and we got in when he expanded the playoff field temporarily for like one season with a playing game. I think that might have even been the one or it was around that time. So there were a couple of years where the Wildcats made the playoffs. And I think there was only that one season with the expanded field. We'll have to look at that. So it's not, I, I'm trying to, can you hear me like trying to like legitimize our streak and to not, you know, downturn it? Oh, from... There have been a couple of seasons where we really shouldn't have made it. <laughs> rules is rules, I guess. Playoffs are playoffs. If you make them, you make them. Yep. But I just didn't like him as a coach. I thought he was bloody lousy. It was his one and only season as a coach after being an assistant under Scotty Fisher. And the Scotty Fisher season was pretty funny too. Do you remember that game against... Illawarra or Wollongong, whatever the fuck they were called that season, where he threw the advertising onto the court. Yep. Yeah, so it was, a, it was an interesting couple of years as a Wildcats fan, and we had season tickets at Challenge Stadium. But anyway, I was I was sick of him, and I hated his substitution patterns. I didn't think he was a good coach. And so one time after a loss in a game we should have won, I got fed up, and I called Sports Talk back, and I basically unloaded with both barrels and said that the Wildcats would never win a championship with Connor Henry as coach. And we should sack him immediately. And then I hung up and... I actually remember that, as as is always the case. The guys presenting the show kind of went into bat for Henry a little bit. Oh, they really said, did. Said, oh, no, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. Well, th- that's that's a bit too harsh was a phrase I believe was used. Mm, and yes. so I was not happy with their response. So I might have rung back and put on a different voice and... We have Dennis on the line. (laughs) Yeah, so I actually called again and said, no, I agree, he's absolutely right. There's no way the Wildcats will win while he's coach. Nathan's an intelligent bloke. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I use my real name on either call, actually. Uh, But, yeah, yeah. Well, suffice to say, he only lasted one season, so... So we we can safely say you had a fair part... (laughs) I'm not actually arrogant or narcissistic enough. Oh, I'll say, I'll say. You played a part in getting Connor Henry fired. I think his own shitty coaching played a part in getting him fired. And what do you know? Over the next 10 years, how many championships have we won? A lot. A lot. Yeah, well, Bevo came after him and Bevo brought Damian Martin, Maddie Knight, Jesse Wagstaff. So that was a pretty lucrative time. And uh, then Trev Gleeson inherited them and he just carried the ball even further. Yeah. Now, you've got a great one too. This one's what made Nath say bloody hell, Stuart. You actually offended a dual Brownlow medalist's mother. Yes. (laughs) Look, mum always used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. (laughs) The date is July 6th, 2019. The West Coast Eagles, 19 goals, 8, 122. Defeated the Fremantle Dockers, 2 goals, 19, 31. Yeah. Yeah, you think they're inaccurate now. 
In the pouring rain, wasn't it? It was. It was yeah. absolutely bucketing down. So setting the scene, I, I was sitting directly behind the goals with a, a work friend. And, yes, you're right, it was bucketing down. I was wearing jeans and a jacket. The jeans got saturated, but I didn't care. I was having too much fun. We were flying all over the field. It was the second biggest win in derby history. Mm-hmm. I was very, very happy. And there were a few people around. There's a little bit of banter going on with a few people. And, and there was a, a couple of ladies in front of us. One of them had both Fremantle and West Coast colours on, which I thought was very interesting. But oh, yeah. we started sort of talking. And then after the game was over, we're sort of discussing, you know, who do you think played really well? And, and one of them says to me, what do you think about Nat Five? Loaded question. Very loaded question. In the end. Now, in previous years, I had actually been a travel agent. And one of the clients that we had at that travel agent was one Nat Five. Ah, uh, yes. So this was the year that they made the grand final. And he had actually booked a trip to go across to America. Now, me being an Eagles fan, I thought I'm going to do the right thing here. And I came up you know, to him and sort of said, oh, look, now I'm an Eagles fan, but I just wanted to congratulate you for the win over the weekend. Just wanted to say that's the best forward pressure that I've ever seen. And he looks up at me and he's like, yep, that was the plan. And then looked straight back at the person he was dealing with. And I was like, you dick. <laughs> so I basically just went, right, I'm done with this conversation. If you're going to be like that, I'm not even going to try. And so I walked out the back. So we go back to 2019 and this lady's asked, what do you what do you think about Nat 5? And I said to her, I looked her in the eye and I said, he's a dickhead. <laughs> he's an absolute dickhead. I've never liked the bloke. Uh, he's just, he's a dickhead. And she looks me in the eyes and says, I'm his mum. Oh, dear. And I looked at her and I went, okay. Bloody hell. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. I said, I still think he's a dickhead, but... And then I thought, sure, maybe I should probably backtrack here. And before I could do it, she had basically put her head down and charged out of the stadium. And her friend looked at me and said, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's just being protective. <laughs> Oh, that's gold. So, yeah, there we go. So, Shuri, for that, I say to you. And I say to you. Bloody hell. Oh, I mean, (laughs) bloody hell. Bloody hell. So, granted, Shuri, at time of recording, we've only actually interviewed one person at this stage and we haven't really cast the net very far. We just like talking about what's going on and we haven't really attempted to get a lot of people. But one of the things that we were planning to ask people whenever we do interview them is the best experiences they've seen live in the sporting arena. So we thought, well, we should probably answer that question ourselves. Well, look, we've got a few. Now, admittedly, for me, they span cricket and basketball only because the football games that I've been to have mostly been okay. I mean, the obviously the, the derby smashing was quite enjoyable to watch, but, <laughs> but I certainly wouldn't say there were any moments of individual brilliance. It wasn't a close game. So, yeah, on that sort of reasoning, I, I would probably say that there's a, a handful of things that really stick out. Some of them are individual performances. Some of them are overall experiences within things like World Cups. But we do have quite a few that we want to have a, a quick chat about. So Absolutely. I think the first one that we should probably do is cast our mind all the way back to when we were just 19. So Matthew Hayden, absolute legend of the game. So it was a match between the Aussies and Zimbabwe who were... Pretty crap. Pretty crap. Yeah. I mean, I was, <laughs> was going to say minnows, but they weren't exactly an amazing team at that stage. However... You play the team in front of you. Oh, of course. And Matthew Hayden did exactly that. And they were better than Bangladesh at that point, for example. So they weren't the worst of the worst. Hmm. Yeah. 
but no, they were a, a yeah, not fairly, sensational, fairly average team. Yeah. So we rock up, and everything's looking great. The sun is shining. It's a great day for cricket. We're sat up on the the old whacker hill, hill basically. Can I take us back a little bit, Stewie? Go for it. So it's really funny with a lot of these stories. I actually remember more of kind of everything but the actual action itself. Mm-hmm. So even though we saw Maddie Hayden score 380, then a record, I can't actually remember a hell of a lot of it. But what I do remember is us jumping in my mum's little barina because I didn't have my own car then at that stage, listening to to it on running a bit late typically as 19-year-olds slept in. Hey, 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 that was you. <laughs> this is a guy that used to get up on average at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, of course. <laughs> It's up till four o'clock. Of course, you're going to get up. <laughs> anyway, um, so I remember us driving in and we hear a wicket fall on the radio and we're like, oh, fuck, because we thought it was Hados. And my memory tells me it was Darren Lehman. But looking at the, at, the, at the scorecard here, I'm not convinced it was because he came in before Adam Gilchrist. So it might have actually been Damien Martin, I'm, I'm now wondering, on the scorecard. And this is the other funny thing, isn't it? It's really funny what the memory does. Uh, but so that's that's my strongest memory. I was super sunburned too, so I was we trying both, to get. We both were. I was trying to get. We, might, we probably went to Adventure World or something like earlier that week, and so we were trying to get in the shade for that entire match. I, I have strong memories of that as well. Yeah, and I'll take you back now to see if you remember more than me of the actual knock. Well, it's funny you say that because the most vivid memory I have is him skying one to get out, and we were all at that stage every single run. The crowd was cheering like it was a match-winning effort because we were all just pushing so hard for, for him to yeah. get to that 400, yeah. which was a number that we just never assumed would be hit until Brian Lara did it about yeah, a couple six of months later. later yeah, yeah, I, was so, at that I think it was about six months yeah, later, right. if I remember. Yeah, but, there you go. But, uh, no, it was it was an amazing inning. So if you look at the numbers alone, 38 fours and 11 sixes, strike rate of 87 which pretty is pretty good in a test incredible for a test yeah, under that yep. that sort of period of time as well but i think the thing that is very easily lost in that and it's something that we talk about all the time was adam gilchrist scoring a ton in a session well that's right that wasn't even the best thing we saw that day so even though it was a record at the time it was actually overshadowed by gilly's knock when he had 113 not out of 94 12 fours and four sixes and this was the thing back then Gilly played both roles. He could come out attacking or he could come out and play, you know, good cricket shots and, and accumulate runs. But that was one of those days as we push towards our eventual total of six declared for 735. Oh, ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, if you've got a 380 in there, there's a fair chance well, yeah, it's going to be yeah, up there. But yeah. that was obviously what he did. And, I mean, none of the bowlers had any sort of luck. I mean, Sean Irvine, who later played for WA, Four for 146. He was the pick of the bowlers. He was the pick of the bowlers. Heath Streak, 131 without a wicket. Andy Blignort, there's a name I haven't thought about for yeah. a while. 115 without a wicket. Oh. Ray Price, the spinner, oh. 187 without a wicket. And Trevor Gripper had two for 142, including the wicket of Matty Hayden when he skied that one. So, look, that was an incredible day, one of the, the most amazing performances. And even though we don't remember a lot of the shots individually, it's just being part of history at that stage, I think, was what was so amazing about it. And even though we basically suffered second-degree burns that day, <laughs> we we got through it and we survived. Oh, it's the beauty of being a student where you didn't really have much to do and you could just piss off down to the wacker to, to see history being made. Yep. Do you remember what happened after that day's place, Julie? 
the no. You don't? No. You don't remember us breaking down on Riverside Drive and me having to pull the car over basically right in front of the bell tower? <laughs> oh, my God, I do. I do. <laughs> sure, was- and there were people, like, walking by, riding by, driving by, giving us these looks like, yeah, no, 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 guys, I know it's not a fucking parking spot. Yeah. The car's broken yeah, down. To- Look at the hazard lights, you dick. We did have to explain dick. to pretty much everyone. Yeah, I do remember. And I, and, and I remember your sister drove past, remember, because she was working in the city for one of the banks at the time. Yes, that's true, yeah. <laughs> She would have been in one of her beastie Commodores at that time. Yes, so, indeed. Yes, yeah. she was. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 so funny, and and it's true. It's true of a lot of my memories for all of these great performances. I remember just as much about the day and what happened around the actual performance itself as as the incredible achievement. Yeah. No real surprise. And innings and 175 runs to Australia in that one. Pretty yeah. So they had to follow on. So they managed the total of what 560 odd across the two innings. So good batting pitch. Pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, and look, a lot of these experiences, because we are best mates, a lot of these experiences are the same, aren't they? So They are. Another really great experience that we shared together was in 2007, so four years later, at the Cricket World Cup in the West Indies. Yes. Now, you were fortunate enough to get over a little bit earlier than me. I had some work things I had to take care of, and I think you and a few of the other guys were there maybe... Well, it was a couple of games. Well, we did the States as well. So you didn't do the States. Uh, so we did the States first for about, I don't know, a week and a half or something. And then we headed over to Antigua for the first of the pool matches, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And then I met you guys over there. So, I mean, that experience, I mean, the Caribbean in general, I, I must recommend to people, if you get a chance to go oh, and experience beautiful. this once, yeah. once COVID is over. Yeah. The beaches in Antigua. Grenada is a beautiful country. It was just after it had been struck by Hurricane Ivan, wasn't it? So I think it was Hurricane Ivan. It was a really Ivan, interesting yeah. time to be there. Yeah. There were a lot of buildings that were still half built. The church had no roof. Yeah. But the people, again. Oh, beautiful. Wonderful. They, they would give you the shirt off their own back if they could. It's an incredibly cheap place in, in a lot of parts. There are some parts of the Caribbean that are quite expensive, but I have very, very vivid memories of going down to the local supermarkets and picking up bottles of Gatorade for the equivalent of 50 cents <laughs> yes. to the point where I believe <laughs> our room had about 20 of them at one stage. We, we used to just go and buy them out of everything there. So we were fortunate enough and we saw Antigua, Grenada, Bar- oh, St. Lucia and Barbados That's across right. the, the, That's the, right. the month that we were there. And one of my favourite stories in Antigua, so it was that famous game between Australia and the West Indies, which was a one-day international, played over two days <laughs> because, of the, there, yeah. because there was no drainage in the ground. And so even though the sun was shining, they were just using these rubber foam... Squeegees, basically. Oh, it was yeah. terrible. It was... Oh. It was a bit of a joke, really. But I remember on the first day of those two days, there were these little girls that were waiting in line to buy something and everyone was pushing ahead of them. I thought, oh, this isn't on. So I said, oh, what what, what do you girls want? Come come up with me. I'll, I'll help you, you know. So I helped them buy whatever they want, you know, I don't know, bottle of Pepsi or whatever it was. And it was really sweet. The next day, they came and found me in the crowd again with a cupcake and their mum. Oh. And I've got this great photo of them braiding my hair because I'm a metalhead with long hair. Um their mum said, oh, what you did yesterday for my girls was so sweet. They may have never been served if you hadn't helped them. So they've made this cupcake for you. Aww. So that was a lovely story. But the other one in Grenada, Stewie, we got detained. Remember we got detained at the airport? <laughs> well, we, we did. It's, it's a funny story. So we basically rocked up. And as you do with a lot of these countries, as you're getting in, they've got the little arrival card that you fill out and they ask you what's the address of the place you're staying. And one of our good friends had organised this 
this little B and B effectively. Uh, and all we knew was the guy's name was Maggie. Yes. We didn't know his name, his surname. We didn't know his actual first name. We just well, it was knew- a nickname. Yeah, we just knew his nickname. Yeah. And so we get there and we're, we're asking him, oh, mate, what, what, what's the address? And he's like, I don't actually know. <laughs> so we, we get down and we get to the airport and we start sort of getting to this, this desk and they say, well, you haven't put anything here. And we're like, we don't actually know. He's meeting us outside. Yeah. So he was waiting in the car park outside, but we just didn't have his details. And so we're sitting there like idiots. I mean, you guys were sinking as much rum as you could. Well, this was the thing. So they detained us because we didn't have a address of where we were staying. And while we were detained, inverted commas, which was basically moved to the corner of a room and sat on the floor, they came and brought us (laughs) these rum and Cokes. And in the Caribbean, rum and Coke means 90% rum, 10% Coke, because I think the Coke is more expensive than the rum is because of the sugar cane. So it's just there for colour, basically, the Coke. And it was actually Pepsi. So, yeah, we're sinking these rum and Cokes when we're meant to be detained because we don't have a place to go, according to the immigration. It was bizarre. Absolutely And then about an hour later, another official comes in and he sees us all there and he says, oh, what are you guys doing here? And he says, oh, we don't know the the name or the the address of the place we're staying at. All we know is that we're staying with a guy named Maggie. And he looks at us and he goes, oh, Maggie, I know Maggie. And, of course, everyone in Grenada knew Maggie. (laughs) Well, yeah, so Maggie was basically the... Local booze hound. Yeah. Well, not hound, seller. <laughs> Sorry, we were the booze hands. Yes. So he, he provided people with Coke and Pepsi and Sprite and lemonade and all these different. And super, super strong other alcohol. Yes. Which, yeah, the but, less said about that, the better. But basically, this guy just walks my friend and I out to the front. We find this guy, Maggie, whose name was actually Mr. Francis. Ah, yes, that's right. And we fill in the, the, the cards. We jump in the back of a ute and off we go. Yep, yep. And on that same island, here's another little little side story. We had just finished absolutely annihilating the New Zealand cricket team. We beat them by, I think it was about oh, yes. 230 runs or something. <laughs> and on the way back to the airport, we're sitting in the back of Maggie's little pickup truck. And one of our friends was actually wearing the Australian flag. No, no, no. He was wearing, he was wearing a shirt that was that was black, white, and grey. Oh, I thought it was the Aussie flag, but you can't. You know how the flags are so similar, well, and they couldn't see the the um. Yeah. No, he had the he had the colours of New oh, Zealand striped on his shirt. Okay. And this bus went past, and we all looked down. We're like, "That's Scott Styrus, yeah, the, the New, New Zealand, Zealand cricket team." And he looks at our mate, and he he's like, "Ah, oh!" And then he realised we're Aussies, and we're like, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was so good. <laughs> Oh, uh, what a trip. But we have to fast forward to one of the most farcical days of cricket you and I have probably ever experienced. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So we'd taken care of South Africa in the semifinal in St. Lucia in an Very, yeah. shellacking. Well, we should probably talk about that too, actually. I remember being in this great hotel that was something out of a Bond film. It was magnificent. And I remember there was some South African fans staying at the hotel with us. And we we're like, oh, we think you guys are going to give us a good run for our money. And they they wanted nothing. And this wasn't power of negative thinking. This was we're South African, we're chokers we when know, it comes yeah. to cricket. Yeah. And then sure enough, back to the hotel, they were like, told you so. Yeah, that, that was an amazing hotel. They're a good team. I think it was called the Green Parrot Hotel. Something with Parrot in, definitely. In, in St. Lucia, up in, up in Castries. And, yeah, you're right. It had this beautiful pool that looked out over the, the side of the hill. 
I was lucky enough to get on telly when Brad Hogg picked up a wicket. I can't remember for sure, but the cameraman happened to be walking past just as the wicket was happening. And of course he sees an Aussie in an Aussie shirt and flag and everything. So I just stare down the barrel going, come on Aussie. I still to this day haven't seen the footage funnily enough. Every time that cameraman went past me, South Africa would do something good. <laughs> Every time he went to you, it would well, be- Well, we were, we were sitting in different seats, actually. We yeah. weren't that far apart. Where we are, but, okay. but I just okay. I just remember every time he was near me, I'm like, come on, wicket. And it would be, <laughs> oh, South Africa hit a six. Uh, anyway. I need to dig that footage up, actually. I still haven't seen it, as I say. But the old, the old final in Barbados, I mean, this day we woke up, it had been blue skies for the entire time we were there. Yes, absolutely. And we get to the morning of the final, we look out- Torrential. And it is pissing rain. Like biblical. It was crazy. Mm. So all morning we're watching it. It's not looking like it's going to ease up. I have I have this memory because I had that waterproof phone and I remember like putting my phone out over the balcony and like raising it up so that the phone could see these huge drops of water hitting it. And I remember us doing like our little commentary like, oh, we don't think we're going to get a game. And yeah, and, and this and, is a cautionary and, tale for this, those that travel for sport. And this is a definitely a tale, Nathan. I'll let you tell it. Well, basically, we it didn't even occur to us. Now, granted, we were 23-year-olds. We weren't – well, it's actually the first time I'd ever left Australia. So we certainly weren't seasoned travellers by any stretch of the imagination. We did it all ourselves because it was way cheaper than doing a cricket tour. I'm not opposed to a cricket tour, but we saved ourselves a lot of money by doing it ourselves. Anyway, we didn't even think that we might want to be there the day after. So we had actually, most of us, except for you, had decided that we were going to fly out the very next day off to Europe to continue the trip. It was like a six-month trip in the end. And sure enough, the rain hits and we're thinking, fuck. So we've been in the Caribbean for nearly a month. Well, maybe it was, it might have been more than a month. How long was it? It was, it might have been six weeks. It was about six weeks. Yeah. About, about five for me. Yeah. So we've, we've been here a month and a half and we may not see the final happen because it might get washed out. And I'm trying to remember the rules. Was it? It would have been the next day. It was, yeah. So it wasn't a shared title. No. Because so the, the World Cup rules, let's face it, when we think of England and New Zealand in the 2019 World Cup, we won't go further into that mm. one. But no, definitely as the day rolled on and the, the clouds continued to roll in and the rain kept flowing, we were a little bit worried. And oh, so, I remember so being the- at the ground sending messages to people and getting messages from people in Australia saying, are you guys there? What's happening? Like they're watching on TV, rain delay, rain delay, rain delay. Ugh. It was terrible. And so the, the girl that I was with at the time, we had booked an extra day there and basically would have been the only ones that would have actually seen it, it, had, had, it the, yeah. had it happened the next day. And, and for the record, it did rain the next day a little bit, not torrentially, but it wasn't exactly amazing Perfect. the next day. But What that, was amazing was Gilly's knock. Was was the game. So the, the previous two games that he'd played against South Africa in the, in the semifinal and also against New Zealand in the last group game, He'd been dismissed for one in both innings, and he was looking terrible. There was all this concern going. Yeah, into he the didn't have a sensational uh, tour, did he? Yeah, he, he he wasn't great, and you started thinking, well, you know, what's going on here? And then the infamous squash ball innings happens, and out of the the gates, he manages to find the boundary a couple of times, and you think, okay, he might be okay here, and then all of a sudden. He just puts. Oh, it was down. it was magnificent, absolutely magnificent. And incidentally, we've both met him. Really nice, down to earth guy too. Just yep. a great, yeah, great player. Great he guy. was, you know, almost excited to hear that I was at the match when I told yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he finished with what 149 off 104 balls. Oh, just incredible. One of the sixes that he hit actually hit an ambulance about four meters away from where I was sitting at the time. <laughs> 
And <laughs> the reason I mentioned that is because earlier in the trip, we'd organised to play against a bunch of locals with some English expats. Funnily enough, in Grenada, hats off to the Mad Dogs, yeah. And part of that match, one of the guys from the local team had skied a ball out to the boundary. I'd run 30 or 40 metres to get under this thing. And I've stuck the mid out and it's basically almost snapped my little finger off, like destroyed this thing. And so as this ball's hit Gilly's bat, I'm watching it thinking, shit, this is coming towards me. Uh, you were worried. I, 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 I wanted no part of trying to catch one of those things because my fingers are already And then stuck. the indignity of being on television dropping a crowd catch. Well, that would be even worse. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I make no claims that I would have caught it because I'm terrible at catching. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have either. But uh, this thing smashed off an ambulance and thank God, survived basically. But yeah. The- it's just a shame that such a wonderful, amazing knock was overshadowed by just the farcical nature of how it was run. And the game actually could have been called off under the Duckworth-Lewis because Australia had enough runs and enough overs had been bowled. But for whatever reason, Sri Lanka played into the dark and you couldn't tell on television how dark it truly was. It was very dark. It was ridiculous how dark it was. Well, they called it 63 off 18, I think they called they called it off. And everyone's jumping around and we're thinking, oh, we've won. And then they called them back on and, yeah. and, oh. we, and we bowled three overs of spin. Yeah, that's right. We had to which, bowl spin. Which they just blocked. Yeah. And you're, you're right. We could barely even see the pitch. It was that black. And we're not exaggerating this in the slightest. And there's this great photo of a POM and it made the local paper and I've got a copy of it holding this sign that says it's dark for fuck's sake. So I've got this great photo of me standing next to this guy holding this thing. And as I say, it made the front page of the Barbadian Times. It was it was a whole another experience, but a phenomenal place to travel around and even better place to watch cricket. Just, yeah, couldn't have asked for a better experience. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the very, very special ones. Four years later, a very, very different World Cup experience for us. Yes. So I spent about six weeks travelling around India and Sri Lanka. Nathan was with me for, what, three, three or four of them? Uh, yeah, about about that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we spent a little bit of time in Colombo at a, at a guest house. We spent, a, you know, a couple of weeks around Bangalore and Delhi and Agra and... Yeah, very, very different. Certainly very few beaches, well, none in India that we went to, just a whole lot of big cities, a lot of people, very fast-paced. And I remember the one beach we went to in Sri Lanka, everyone was like, no, 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 you can't swim there, you'll get sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember going into a, into another beach and, and I lost my sunglasses into the Indian Ocean. Oh, I remember that one, and yes. I, and I absolutely went off at the guy that took us there because I, th- <laughs> I thought he'd let someone steal my shoes, but I'd left them on another, another beach. <laughs> But, uh, but no, the, the reason I obviously bring this up as such a, a memorable experience is even though there were a lot of really low lows in that. Now, for me, first of all, I was in Ahmedabad for about four or five days on my own and then another two days in Nagpur for the first couple of matches. So I wanted to go and see those games. Uh, I think it was Zimbabwe and New Zealand in those two games. And I got in a bit early and I was having a great time for the first three days and then I got incredibly sick, mm. like the worst kind of deli belly you can imagine. Oh, yeah, I had a similar thing. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I lost 10 kilos in three days. Wow. And I went from a fairly comfortable size 32 pants to size 30s literally falling down when I took two steps. Yeah, jeez. Uh, a lot of people have said they've never seen me look so gaunt and sick. Um, so surviving those seven days on my own was a bit of a miracle 
And then later on in the trip, we took an overnight train from Agra to Varanasi to go and see the Ganges. And it was about 40-odd degrees plus on that train. Oh, yeah, we didn't get much sleep, if any. Minimal sleep. Yeah, we ne- and then when we got off the train, we're carrying our heavy luggage and we nearly got run down by these bulls that were walking or running through these, like, really tight little alleyways. Yeah, and it was so hot, yeah. You just you started hallucinating. I did, I did, I did. I le- legitimately was hallucinating, I think, from a lack of sleep and just from dehydration. And so one of my great kind of wishes for the whole trip was to play cricket with the locals. And so we all had separate rooms. And and so I remember hearing, oh, Elsa! your voice. I could have sworn to God it was your voice. And so later on, I'm like, oh, you bugger, you got to play with the kids and I was too sick and I didn't get to. And you're like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? I have not left my room this whole time. I've been watching Family Guy. Yeah. And so I'd hallucinated that you were playing cricket beneath my window with kids. Yep. It was crazy. It was, it was pretty nuts. But obviously getting to see such an amazing part of the world. And unfortunately, as we record this, it is absolutely going through the ringer with COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the IPL series is, you know, in not disarray, but there's a lot of players leaving and it is horrible to see. It really is. You know, we obviously wish our best to to everyone in India. Absolutely. We were, as I say, very fortunate to get to see some, some incredible cricket and, you know, get to go and see cricket in a part of the world that that we probably never thought we'd actually go and see and and the indian crowds are incredible the sri lankans too and the sri lankans beautiful too. wonderful people lovely people yeah yeah got to see some incredible parts you know one of our other friends actually just after you left he and i went along to watch sri lanka beat england by 10 wickets in one of the qualifying finals and we that's right. Well, yeah, I actually I bought the tickets on my credit card, which cost about fifty cents. A, a, yeah, a fifty cents was it? Yeah. I actually went home because my mum had cancer, and it just we couldn't get to the final, and it was all a bit, you know, she's fine, which is great. Uh, but yeah, that's why I left a bit early, so I didn't get to go along to that, unfortunately. But I think I got credit card fraud as a result of that. Actually, I never got that hundred bucks back. Oh, lovely. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I may never, I may never have told you about that actually. No, you didn't actually. Oh uh, yeah, because I had to buy the tickets in a dodgy internet cafe in Sri Lanka. Oh jeez, oh dear. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all. Good. It was a great story. But uh, but no, look, an amazing place to to watch everything. And you know, for the other mate of ours and I, you know, getting to be in Mumbai with the final going on was just it was crazy. Unfortunately, we didn't get to go to the game, so we ended up having no. to watch it in a in a pub. And, and had we had tickets to the game, I probably would have stayed because my parents did say, you know, nothing's going to happen to mum in the short term. But it was a tough trip. But I got sick as well and I was just ready to come home. Yeah. 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 But a good experience still, nonetheless. And then I suppose an even better experience, and that was in 2015, we took the the chance on Australia getting to the final in Melbourne at the MCG. Yes, that's right. Yes. We, we bought the tickets early. We bought our flights across to Melbourne early. Yep before we even knew that Australia would make the final. And I remember there was some discussion, oh, do we get the more expensive ones? But oh, but if it's not Australia, do we really want to spend over 250 bucks on, you know, Pakistan versus India, for example? Or yeah, we were lucky. And we got very lucky. We beat India in the semi-final. New Zealand, I can't remember who they beat in the semi-final, but it was, I think that was a fairly close game. And look, it, it was one of those things where, again, like the South African one, we, we probably went in a little bit, iffy or how are we going to go New Zealand are playing good cricket right I was certainly more confident about that than some other ones because we're at the G yeah but New Zealand played very well that World Cup and they the only loss we had in that World Cup was to them them, in New Zealand yeah yeah Yeah. but as we got there 
I think it was the first over, possibly, or one of the first balls. Mitch Stark to Brendan McCullum. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. Not this balls off. It was the first over. It was maybe ball three or four. four maybe yeah, 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 the fourth yeah. ball. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of the moment where you thought, all right, McCullum's gone. Well, we're in box seat from there. This is this is looking good. And yeah, I think yeah. We dismissed him for about one seventy odd and chased it down very very easily. And what a yeah, what a great way. From my first experience at the MCG. So, right, it wasn't my first experience. It was my first and only experience at a full G. Going to a final at the G is an amazing experience, yeah. Just packed to the brim. That was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, we couldn't have asked for a a better day of cricket. And certainly you want the game to be close, but at the same time you you don't mind being able to enjoy two-thirds of the match knowing that you've won it. When you're there live, you want to win. Yeah. (laughs) And so my favourite memory after that was finding this really cool little bar called Ponyfish. Oh, you still remember the name? I remember Ponyfish. On the Yarra there, hey? Yep. Near Crown. Yeah, there's there's a little little bit back from there, yeah, just just next next to the big train station. Oh, Flinders. There's a bridge that goes across, and underneath that they've got a little bar that they've kind of stuck to the side of the the, the pillars going down. I wonder if it still exists. It it does. It does, yeah. Yeah. I guess only six years ago. Last time I checked. yeah. yeah. And yeah, just sitting there and having cricketers' arms, pale owls, and appropriately enjoying what was yeah a really great day of cricket. A great trip, yeah, yep. Now we've got a heap of basketball that we probably want to talk about as well, but I think what we'll do is we'll break this down into a second that we'll probably record. Yeah, look, we knew we were going to talk for a long time, and we know we can talk. So this is our hour done. So yeah. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. I guess you're amped for the next time we record this? Basketball, yeah. <laughs> how, do you th- how do you think that went? That was, that was enjoyable, wasn't it? Oh, was certainly fun for us. Yeah, we weren't <laughs> talking about the European Super League or anything like that. But, uh, you know. But it is certainly nice. Trips down memory lane. Always nice to talk about the cricket. Now, look, probably next week we'll be back to our normal because this was kind of there in case... One of us got sick or had to work or for whatever reason we couldn't do a weekly. So we're probably back to normal next time, but we will do another one like this in the future at some stage. Until next time, I'm Nathan. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.